Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. I am Scott Kirksey. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I am so excited to be with you today. Uh, I was 21 years old when I was out with my college friends one day, and we had taken boogie boards up into the snow above where we went to school, above Azusa Pacific. There was snow in the mountains, and we were so excited to get up there. We took these boogie boards, and we were sliding down hills like maniacs. And on the way back from that trip, I said, hey, fellas, are you, are you guys busy tonight? Like, I have an idea. And they said, yeah, like, no, like, what's going on? Like, like what's, uh, you know, what, what are you thinking about? And I said, well, I think I'm going to propose tonight. You see how that works, right? It's like us guys, we sometimes have these really long plans and, we, and then they come to fruition. Well, this one was rather spontaneous. It was like, okay, like, it's now. Well... <laughs> So I got the guys to actually like help me plan this. They were going to like, this, you know, put roses and flower petals and votive candles and, and even a song on repeat on the radio. They were going to get it all set. Now, see, it was kind of, there was kind of a tension that I built up before this event. And that tension was telling my girlfriend at the time that, oh, man, I want to get you know, situated in my career first. I want to I get established. I want to buy a home. Like, I had this long old list. Like, in her mind, I would probably be, we would be like, you know, 60 before I actually proposed to her. And being that we had been together since we were 15, dating since 15, that there was uh, this kind of like, you know, all right, dude, like, We've been together a while, kind of sense and feeling. But even too, I mean, you can think about it from the perspective of 15. It's like, at 15, when you're dating, you have a song. You probably had a song. I mean, maybe even too, if you were dating when you were older, you said, okay, this is my song. This is like our song. Anybody, like, raise your hand. Did you have a song? Some of you have a song. You could think of which one it is. Well, for me, that day when we had, uh, that night we were, I was going to propose, we walked into the house, and she goes to open her bedroom door, and there on the shelf, right where I told my bros to leave it, was the ring. And I grabbed the ring, and as she opened the door, it's room full of flowers and candles, and on these small florist cards, it said, will you marry me? And as she was walking into the room, the song cued perfectly. Like, thank God for repeat one on the CD player. The song just like cued perfectly. And our song was The Way You Look Tonight. Someday, when I'm awfully low, when the world is cold, I will feel a glow just thinking of you and the way you look tonight. And she turned around and there I was on my knee and she said, yes, it was absolutely great. So... That's the ending you hope for, right? 
Well, have you ever had that sense that something has been set in motion and it will affect everything that comes next? If I think about this moment, I remember even the next day, and you're thinking like, you get up in the morning, you're like, wow, I'm engaged. But, you know, you put your pants on like you do every other day, one leg at a time, and there I am thinking like, okay, I have this sense that even though everything looks quite common to the day before, everything is going to be different from this day forward. Everything will be different. So we're in our second week of Advent, and we're approaching the day Jesus Christ was born. Christmas highlights the day God loved us so much that the Word became flesh. It's the day heaven came to earth. It's the day you and I both celebrate what a Savior has been born, both in Bethlehem and also in me. It's the day everything changed. Now, each week in our Advent series, we are talking about these songs. Together we sing. And our song today that brings us more truths about Jesus is, What Child Is This? And more than a song title, it's also a question I want us to answer together. Because my experience with Jesus is not your experience with Jesus. All of our encounters with Jesus are actually quite unique. So to answer the question of what child is this, I think it's best if we all answer it. This is a room full of people that have had encounters with Jesus. Yours different than mine. Yours unique to mine. A chorus of voices of those who have had, who have had experience with Jesus. God's love in one way or another how he came into your life, and how from that moment on, although some things look the same, everything that came next would be different. So please pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for all that you've done. We thank you for who you've been, for what you've accomplished on the cross, We're going to read these words of a song in a moment that speaks of your goodness to us, that speaks of the way you've transformed our lives individually, as a church, and as a nation. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. So I'm going to read the lyrics of the song, and as I do, I want you to reflect with me. I want you to reflect on what child is this for you? To go to this manger, to see this child born in Bethlehem, what is that child to you? The song says, What child is this who lay to rest? On Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch are keeping So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come, peasant king, to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. This, this is Christ the king. Some of you have had children of your own. Some of you have been, have children of your own in your family. And I picture these soft, tender baby hands not a callus formed yet. 
and those incredible tiny fingernails that seem too small to even survive there, to even exist, and these feet that haven't yet stepped on the earth, no pads, no broken in, just this soft, delicate child. Now these are beautiful words, these song lyrics that were penned by a man named William Chatterton Dix in 1865. What was unique about this is William Chatterton Dix was 29 years old. He worked at an insurance company, but he caught this illness that was so bad that for nine months he was bedridden and actually feared his own death. He was actually close to not making it. So the man that actually cried out these lyrics, that wrote these lyrics down, is a man who was bedridden, a man who things were not going his way for things... Things were not going well. Things were not A-OK. And I can imagine as Christmas was coming in that season of maybe being stuck, maybe being down, it actually says that William Dix suffered from a depression during the season. A deep, deep low is what those lyrics came out of. And as the holiday season arrives, there's this question of, Lord, will you save me? In that deep, deep low of, Lord, will you be my rescuer? What child is this? What child is this that came to the earth, and what significance will it be for me as I lay in this bed, as I'm hurting? It's amazing that someone who was in the midst of losing so much could pen the words of this song. But I would imagine that someone so close to the reality of death, so close to their own mortality, would have an acute sense of their need for a savior. This desperation is consistent with a lot of the people you read about in scripture. You see, a lot of the people that came to Jesus were like, would you heal my child? People that would say, Lord, have mercy on me. I've been blind since I was born, but I know you can do this. People who would say, God, I've been so lonely. I've been isolated from the whole town because of my disease. Lord, can you help me? Will you have mercy on me? Will you save me? Will I live? Collectively, They recognized also that their nation needed a savior too. Just like us, we have these personal ways that we need God to save us, these ways that we can connect with and say, Lord, will you help me with this? What is it for you? I know I'm not alone to have them that says, God, I wish you would fix this thing. And just as it's personal as a church, we have our prayers too. God, I wish you would would change this. How fix this, make this healthier, strengthen this, restore this. And then we have it as a country as well. Lord, my nation, Lord, will you come? Will you fix this? So people could remember a time when God had come through for them. What was true in Israel was that they had this legacy of 1,300 years since a deliverer had saved them from Egypt. 
We learned a lot about that in our Deuteronomy series. Moses being sent by God to end the oppression, to end the slavery, to create a people. So for 1,300 years, there's this expectation of another one. There's going to be another deliverer. A new Moses was expected. You catch it here. Many of you read through Deuteronomy in our previous series. Here in Deuteronomy 18, where it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites, and you must listen to him. See, Israel believed that Moses led them to freedom, and this new leader would come and do the same thing. And for over 1,300 years, they waited for him. Under oppression, they waited for him. There's the one that's going to come and save us. And I think you might be able to hear someone say, you know, in town, around, man, I can't wait for the Messiah to come. And maybe they'd say it amidst their struggles, amidst having that prayer of holding on to, like, God, I wish you would fix this thing. And they would say, when the Messiah comes, he'll fix it. When the Messiah comes, those things will change, and it'll be different from then on. He'll make a difference. I will be delivered from this thing. But when Moses' prophecy finally comes true, when this child comes, when the new Moses arrives, the Messiah, it had Israelites asking, like, is this the guy? Is this the one that's going to save me? Could this be him? Jesus even asks this question. He asks his disciples, he says, who do the crowd say I am? And honestly, none of them actually say the Messiah. They say, oh, maybe John the Baptist, maybe Elijah, maybe a prophet. He goes, okay. Well, who do you say I am? And he said, they say, the Messiah. I believe you are the one that comes to save. I believe the one that you are the one that comes to deliver. But here's the deal. They were still under political oppression. They hadn't been delivered from that. Even John the Baptist was even having doubts. He's like, are you the guy? Because you don't quite look like what we were expecting. Are you the guy that's going to do this? And then there were the Romans who actually hung Jesus on a cross. They beat him. They poked a spear in him just to make sure that he wasn't going to be doing any delivering. So I think we all might have things that we'd like Jesus to fix. What's in your prayers? If there's a fill in the blank of Jesus, please help me with my. Please lead me to my. Please restore this broken place that is my. It's personal. And Jesus doesn't always deliver the way we think he ought to deliver. Maybe we've thought when Jesus comes, we won't have that challenge anymore. As a nation, we might say, when Jesus comes, we won't have problems of race anymore. Or when Jesus comes, we won't have all this disparity of wealth, and there won't be a poverty problem anymore. There won't be the poor among us. Or maybe it's closer to home and we're hopeful that when Jesus comes, I won't be so lonely. I'll have friends. Or I won't feel so helpless raising my teenagers. 
or I won't be depressed anymore, or I won't continue to wrestle under the weight of my anxiety or my addiction or my debt or my migraines or my crumbling marriage, that when Jesus comes, this will get easier. Now consider the words of Jesus on the cross as he hung there right before he took his last breath and said, it is finished. What's finished? In many ways, the expectations of who the Messiah would be were, were so different that we might actually say, well, what did he finish? What's finished? There seems to be a lot unfinished. Even the disciples who spent three years walking with Jesus There's this verse in uh, Acts chapter 1, and he actually, Jesus has already died on the cross, resurrected after three days, and now it's kind of like his final farewell to his disciples. He's about to leave the planet in a physical sense. And in Acts 1, it says this, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I wonder if Jesus was just kind of like, like I already did. I think you guys might have missed something. And there he goes, right? Jesus, are you going to fix all this stuff now? And it's like, and three, two, and there he goes. Jesus is gone. Now, when Jesus left his disciples, they were still in the midst of problems. They were still politically oppressed. There was still racism. Their society was infused with patriarchy. Women not treated as equals. There were still orphans. There were still widows. There were still political ideologies that divided them. Does that sound familiar? I want to consider two accounts which might, might give us a clue as to what exactly was finished. They're bookends of Jesus' birth. One spoken about Jesus before he was born and the other one right after. And there are similarities between the two. Both of them are spoken by very devout men. Both of them are spoken what's said in Scripture that they were both under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And the first is Zechariah. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. He had had this moment with, where an angel told him, you are going to have an amazing son. He is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. This is going to be profound. And that son actually ended this season for him of infertility. It says they were old in age and they were barren all of this time. And then all of a sudden, in your old age, here's this promise. I am telling you, you're going to have a son. And for nine months, Zechariah is silent until his, his voice is loosed. And I was picturing this moment, like a Lion King moment, like here's this child, right? He's a pride rock. It's like, and when you, and there he is with his child. He's like, I'm going to speak over this child right now. I'm going to make this pronouncement to you. And instead, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is he starts talking about the other child, Mary's child, not even his own. So here's this moment of going like, let me make this announcement to the world. And instead, he says first, he says, that child. That child. 
He says, praise to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Now the second text I mentioned, the second moment where the Holy Spirit spoke through a person is Simeon. About eight days after Jesus was born, he was back to the temple. And Simeon had believed, Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit that he would see God's Messiah. He would see Israel's solution. And he took him in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation. So what child is this? That two devout holy people, Zechariah and Simeon, both filled with the Holy Spirit, are calling God salvation amidst all that needed to be rescued. Paul David Tripp says this. He says, the one who is love sent his son of love to be a sacrifice of love so you and I could be rescued by his love and rest in his love forever and ever. I think he's talking about love. (laughs) I'm going to repeat that one more time. The one who is love sent his son of love to be a sacrifice of love so you and I could be rescued by his love and rest in his love forever and ever. John 15, 13 says this, love has no, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So when you read about these people that came to Jesus in the Gospels that needed healing, I was reading a passage in Luke and it said that this man was healed and immediately he got up and started following Jesus. So it gave me this picture Here's this train of people, this crowd, all of these folks. Jesus is leading the way, and all this crowd is behind him. And it made me wonder, if I was to go to them and ask them this question, like, do you think Jesus is the Messiah? And maybe they'd say, like, some of them might say, yeah, I think he is. And if you ask the question, like, why do you think that? I mean, do you think he's going to save everybody? And for so many of them, they could say, he already has. You see, I was, I was blind. You see, I couldn't walk. I was broken. My broken marriage destroyed me. My loss destroyed me. My grief destroyed me. My kid destroyed me. It was so hard. I went through this season that was so hard. And now I walk and I follow him because he changed all of that. Because my future and my now is different because I have encountered the Messiah. Not because my world had all gotten fine, but because of my encounter with him, I am different. Did Jesus come to save? Yeah, he did. His followers were walking as examples of what God can do, but they were walking examples of what God had already done. They were transformed lives. They were living testimonies. 
so many of you at some place in your life came to Jesus, found the end of yourself, needed saving, cried out to the Lord, and he came into your life. He was born into your life when you asked for him. We are transformed lives. We are living testimonies. I just had a friend who was around my island uh, Friday night, and we were talking about ministry, and her, she was thinking about jumping into ministry, and I'm kind of like, well, how, did, how do you know like, if you're called to it and whatnot? And there's a part of it for me that was just like, well, God knew. I had no idea, <laughs> but God knew, and he led the way. You know, this idea is like, you know, Scott, it seemed like you had always been a pastor. And I said, like, well, I, if I was, I didn't know it yet. But God knew it. God knew where we were going. What child is this? The king of kings salvation brings. My salvation. My rescue. This child is God's love who came and died for me that I might be saved. This child changes how the story ends, not just Israel's story, but everyone's story. The king of kings has come. What do you want him to save you from? What has he already saved you from? We all have a different salvation story, but every one of them begins with God's ultimate gift of love for us. In John three sixteen and 17, Jesus tells a wondering wise person, a teacher of the law named Nicodemus, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, but that, but to save the world through him. I'd like to Ask Ian and band to come up. So this is the question I want you to answer today. What child is this? What does that Savior mean to you? What does the deliverance mean to you? How has he saved you, rescued you, delivered you, freed you? What ways does that birth of an infant, how has it changed your life? What child is this? That's the child who saved me. That's the one who loved me and gave his life for me. And that day it seemed like not much has changed, but everything was different. From that moment on, I would be new. And for all of the places where I could see that we're unfinished, it still needed work. I would walk as a disciple of Jesus to continue his work in this place as a transformed soul, as someone with a story that sells other people who haven't experienced it yet. Jesus Christ changed me. He can change you too. He can change the world. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
by simply searching for We Are PCC.